So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the Formula One podcast that has an under-inflated opinion of itself. Topical. I think our opinion's quite over-inflated. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. Welcome for F... Welcome to For F1's Sake, the podcast that remembers to fasten down its engine cover before each use. Then our cover was blown. That's why we oh. were... <laughs> oh, no, we're going to finish what I was saying. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the podcast that doesn't know how to use its clutch. I think I like that one. That is, yeah. Especially because I do know how to use a clutch. Do you? Can you do hill starts? Well, it depends. Define hill starts. <laughs> Starting on a hill without rolling backwards. Oh, no, failing no, a test. Can't. Okay. No. Welcome to F1 Sake, the podcast that may have to go and explain itself to the stewards after the show. If only we could get the stewards to listen to this. <laughs> I'm T. Crez, and we are braving several grid penalties to bring you flying bonnets, contaminated fuel, and zero cares from possibly the penultimate Italian Grand Prix at Monza. That's all to come. Joining me by the side of the Thames on a freezing cold Monday evening, quite close to some frozen yoghurt, <laughs> is a motoring journalist that doesn't really cover Formula One in a professional capacity, but that won't stop him speculating wildly about it. It's Phil Tromans. Hello. Phil, what have you been up to? Well, <clears throat> I've actually been mixing it with Formula One people. What? <gasps> yeah, that's right. Can we guess? You can guess. Was it? It's, it's better than you can any, anyone you could think of. No. It's not Senna. Oh. Uh. Or Fangio. Oh. All right, give, I'll give tell you. I'll tell you. So last week I went to an extremely posh car show called Salon Privé, which was held at Blenheim Palace because, you know, nobody wants to go to the uh, Exile anymore. I'll tell you what, I saw three celebrities while I was there. I'll tell you who the other ones were. Number one, Dizzy Rascal. No. no. Noted wow. classic car aficionado, Dizzy Rascal. Bonkers. The second celebrity I saw, 
for any football fans out there, Arsenal legend Ian Wright. No reaction to that at all. Okay, we'll move on. So, and then there was the Formula One driver, or the former Formula One driver. Oh, former. Okay. Yeah, he's not, not current. Still a racing driver, just won a race, in fact. Uh, we're not going to get it, are we? It's uh, Rubens Barrichello. No, uh, it was Max Chilton. Uh. <laughs> Did you speak to him? No. Oh, right. No, I was sitting there watching classic cars and he was with his mates and waxing lyrical about Ferrari Daytonas and I didn't want to interrupt him, really. That story was very much like Max Chilton's Formula One it career. Was a massive build-up <laughs> and a bit of a damp squib. Uh, I also went to uh, a Grillstock Festival in London, which was uh, making these music. <laughs> I didn't make this up at all. While I was uh, rather under the influence and in the queue for uh, some buttermilk chicken, uh, everybody around me seemed to be really into F1. We had a big, long, uh, big, long chat about it, and I hoard out the podcast to them. So hopefully we've got a few new subscribers. So big up the buttermilk chicken queue, massive. Hi, you guys from Grillstock. And the other voice you can hear is a writer who used all his shaving tokens for the year and is stuck with that mighty beard until pre-season testing. It's Terry Saunders. Hello there, Terry. Have you got any you know celeb claims to fame? I think I might have. I think I may have met a future Formula One star <gasps> in the last couple of weeks. We've met before, but thanks very much. <laughs> well, look, I was in Devon on holiday. I had a staycation, as they call it. And we're in a place called Dawlish Warren, and there was a little go-karting track. And I was with my friend, and I was like, oh, let's go go-karting. And it was a long build-up. It had, like, kiddie carts with all the bumpers, and then, like, proper go-karts. When I say proper, I mean, like, shit go-karts, not like a, a real one. And we couldn't phrase it, and it ended up there was just three of us on the grid for the proper go-kart race. Me, my friend, and this kid who looked like he was about 17 years old. Now, I've been go-karting once before, and pretty sure I'm quite good. <laughs> had several driving lessons as well. Three now. Oh, okay. uh, so we start the race. The guy in front of me, the skinny 17-year-old, is so quick, he laps me within, like, three laps. <laughs> And over the course of this like 10 minute race, he laps me twice, I lap my friend once, so it's a really boring kind of spread out race of like, we just don't see each other, and then we're too fast. And at the end, I thought, well, I've got to congratulate the guy, he came first, and he was great. He got out of the car, and I was just like, oh, I said, oh, you're a bit quick. He went, I know. And he went off, and he was just, he was just with his mum, right, no one else, and they just walked off and got in a car and drove off. I'm pretty sure he's a professional go-karter. How else could explain how he beat me? And I think I have been beaten by a future Lewis Hamilton. Do you know what his name is? Nope. Then we will never know. Well, that is very impressive, Terry. So if I'm going to do what I've been up to this week, I've met some celebrities this week too. What? It's in your, your high-powered media job yeah, at the yeah, BBC. Yeah, yeah, media, media. So, um, number one... Craig David. Oh, Fuck off. He is buff these days. That's he, like, is. Oh, he is. That's almost better than Dizzy Rascal. Hang on. Can I just ask, what day did you meet him on? Saturday. <laughs> Phew. Oh, we, don't worry. We chilled <laughs> the next day. And then on Sunday, I met Dick and Dom. Who? I don't know who those people are. Oh, for Christ's sake. You're a bit old for this. Children's TV presenters. I'm not oh, for are while. they your Trevor and Simon? Now, now I'm with you. That's Cheeky's Generation's Trevor and Simon. <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to the race. It was it was a pretty exciting race. In qualifying, seven of the 20 drivers were hit with penalties. In fact, well, I think almost everyone got some sort of penalties. A total of 168 grid pace position penalties were handed down, and that is more than the entire total of 2014. This was just at Monza, yeah. and immediately they've eclipsed. I mean, it is getting a little bit ridiculous now, isn't it? I don't, I don't really have a solution, but 
I, well, I, mean, I, I think, in all honesty, you what can't bother qualifying. You can't blame the FIA because what happened is all the engine manufacturers beat their chest together and went, do you know what? Our engines are going to be so good. Yeah, yeah. Ten places for an engine change. That's absolutely fine because we're never going to have to do it. Yeah, that's fine. So all the engine manufacturers agreed to all of these penalties thinking, there's not a chance it's going to happen. It will happen to that guy. So serves so him right. And also a key point was that all the top three in qualifying were blonde. As of this weekend, yes. Louis, uh, Louis, 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 Louis Hamilton uh, rocking his brand new uh, Eminem style haircut. He's got new tattoos. He's got his new. He's doing a rap career. He's got blonde hair. <laughs> a rap he ca- is I don't think Eminem. career is the word. Put it that way. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got a rap career as much as I'm. I'm a professional cake baker. He's got a rap career as much as I've got a rap career. Exactly that too. So let's let's go on to each team. So we'll start off with, of course, Mercedes. Well drama, intrigue, dominance, catastrophe. Ice cream van, you can oh, hear the Mercedes revving in the background. <laughs> Ice cream van just pulled up alongside us completely ruining oh, 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 no, he's just doing that deliberately. This yeah. is not, these are not racetrack sound effects. That is an ice cream Ironically, van. that's exactly what the Honda sounds like. <laughs> it's about as quick as the Honda as well. That's what you get on the South Bank. Moving back to the race, there's quite a few things to talk about, Mercedes, aren't there? Where, where should we start? Chica, you're in charge of this thing. Where should we Pressure start? Pressure gate. Yes. Well... Well, well. Is, 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 so I mean, we're skipping to the end of the race here, but um, what well, are we? Are well, we? No, we're not at the start. We're of the skipping race. to the start of the race because that's the when they didn't the fill race. their tires up. Well, or did they? Can because, I just ask? Sorry, oh, can so I just confused. ask something? I would have thought that not filling their tires up would be bad for them. I'm glad you said that. I don't. I have no idea. So lower Having tire slightly pressure. tire pressures. If my understanding of tyre pressures is correct, and it's highly likely that it's not, because I've only been a motoring journalist for 10 years, is that it will make them slightly grippier because the rubber will have slightly more contact with the road because they won't be pushed out so much. Um, okay. They probably would wear slightly faster. So, But in any case, so the, the people who measure these things, who I presume of the FIA, came around at the start of the, before the start of the race, measured the tyre pressures in some cars. Not all the cars, some cars. They just did the top four on the grid and the left rear tyre only. Now, if you're no, talking they, they about... They did do all the tyres, I think. I don't think they did. I think they did just left I, rear tyre I did tire see a only. document that said that, that oh. all the other cars were all right. But anyway, regardless. Whatever. The top they did four. it just in Mercedes and Ferrari. So the fuck is the point of that well it it seems that there's just a bit of a disconnect between the actual rules and the way things actually go because from what i understand they measure in a point that doesn't sound like formula one (laughs) it's crazy isn't it that they haven't thought things through properly but from what i understand they measured them at the start of the race after the tire blankets had been switched off which meant that the tires were cooling which meant that the pressures were going down a bit and so at the end of the race there was a big hoo-ha about oh the tire pressures are lower than they should have done but then when you go back and look through all the processes that the teams followed, apparently when they when they do all their tyre pressures at the start, when Mercedes do their tyre pressures, they have a Pirelli person on hand yeah. to make sure they're doing it right. And apparently Mercedes did exactly what they were supposed to do. And if it had been measured at the point where the tyre warming blankets were on, everything would have been okay. But if it, the pressure wasn't right, why did they say, off you go then? Why didn't they say, we've got a problem here? Well, I mean, that's a very good question and uh, one that I can't answer. Probably because the FIA's machinery went, oh, it's got to warm up a bit. Uh, <laughs> they probably give it to, half hour. I've, got to, I've to got to plug it into the computer. Call up oh. Sean Tot in France and say, oh, yeah. what should we do? And he'll say nothing like we always well, do. Well, actually, if it's anything like the rest of Formula One, it'll plug it into the computer and it'll demand 20 quid to, uh, <laughs> to get a reading. It, it was, it was, well, it, I mean, it, it brought a bit of intrigue to the end of the race and it put a little bit of a dampener on, the, on a very dominant performance by, uh, by Lewis Hamilton and his new haircut. 
because um, at the end everyone sort of and uh, did you see the uh, did you happen to see the clip in the post race press conference where the the interviewer mentioned this to Hamilton that there might be a problem and he could be getting dis, uh, disqualified and you just see Vettel smile like a schoolboy that's just found 20 quid but also did you see the bit just after when he says to Hamilton uh, did, did are you aware of this and he went no <laughs> which is the same way when you say to a nine-year-old did you break that window N- no it was like that when I found it <laughs> oh, I didn't do I it yeah. and then he followed it up with well it doesn't matter anyway yeah whatever I yeah, well, hate you obviously everybody is well not everybody but a certain selection of people largely in Italy are saying oh this is an outrage Mercedes are flagrantly breaking the rules and getting away with it but it does sound like it was just a bit of a uh, a breakdown in procedure in the uh, from the FIA there was a great bit on the Sky New on the Sky Formula 1 coverage where Ted Kravitz interviewed Pat Simmons about this going uh so what do you think should happen if there's been an infringement? A Pat Simmons goes, yeah, it should definitely be disqualified. With a straight face, not forgetting that Pat Simmons is the man who told another Toronto driver to crash on purpose to help Alonso win a race. On the same the note, did you, did you notice uh, Alonso and Briatore having a jolly on the uh, on the grid before the race as oh, well? I didn't see that, no. Uh, they were just ha- you know happily reminiscing about the times when, when they PK were was in F1. I say this is back to the glory days of F1. F1... <laughs> A bit of controversy after a race is what F1 used to be like all the fucking time. It and used I, to be punch-ups. Yeah, I, I quite I quite miss the idea that a, a race result isn't the actual race result. Because it wasn't a particularly scintillating race. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't brilliant, was it? No. Well, we, should, we, should we talk about the other Mercedes? For all the dominance of Hamilton, uh, Rosberg basically had a barbecue. His car was on fire. He got out of the car and ran away. The stewards picked his car up on a crane, apparently while it was still on fire, from what I could tell from the pictures, because it was smoking away like a pile of green twigs. The only good thing about it was that there was, at a point where he pulled up, uh, there was fire coming out of an exhaust pipe, which looked amazing, and I think that they should make that a feature for next year. It, w- it was very whenever, exciting. Whenever you introduce ERS, whenever mm. you, you fire off your, your ERS, <laughs> fire should come out the back of the car. No, you see, because that just means that's another reason why you can't follow another car too closely. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe I mean, they're, uh, they're, they're all wearing Nomex. What's the problem? I've got no eyebrows. So I we reckon we should definitely go over the new engines that happened in Mercedes. So they both got them, just to, just to recap, they both got them right at the beginning. Yep. And then Rosberg had unspecified problems, never explained it, which Hamilton didn't seem to have despite being exactly the same engine. And they had to put him back into the old one. I can tell you exactly what was the problem was. Uh, it blew up and caught fire. No, that was the old engine blew up and caught fire. Yeah, yeah. The new engine oh, yes, sorry, no, had I'm, some kind I'm, of leak. I'm jumping ahead. Because, so basically Mercedes at the start of the weekend got the knobs out, splattered on the table and went, we have used up all of our engine development tokens. We don't give a shit anymore. In fact, we're developing next year's engine because fuck you all. And Rosberg's engine got, I think, a, I think a coolant leak into his engine, which screwed everything, which sounds you a bit You don't want dubious. the coolant in the engine. Yeah, he's like, what, what do you want that for? So they gave him an engine that's been used a lot. Which meant that he didn't have to have a penalty because it wasn't a brand new one. Yes. They keep talking about putting engines in the pool, which... That's not good for an engine, putting it in a pool. Well, that's only at Monaco where they throw things in the pool, I think. Oh. But then it blew up, so... But then that blew up because they told him to turn up at the end of the race. They were like, oh, we better catch Vettel. Yeah, he did have quite an unreliable car, actually, considering Mercedes are usually pretty bulletproof. He had brake problems all the way through. Every, they kept killing him to tool his brakes, and then finally they were like, right, crank up the engine, and then the engine blew up. And let's move on to Ferrari. <laughs> Raikkonen was on the front line after qualifying for the first time in two years, which oh. was very exciting all round. What a 
<laughs> but then, the when it came to the actual race, he just waited there. So he spent the whole year saying, Ryan has got to sort his Saturdays out. And now he's finally sorted his Saturdays out. And it turns out he's got to sort his Sundays out, his Mondays out, his Tuesdays out, his Wednesdays out, his Thursdays out, his Fridays out. Saturday chilled on Sunday. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. It's classic Kimmy, really. He gets you all excited by going, he is good. Look, he's brilliant. Look, he's just he's demolished Vettel at Monza in front of the Tifosi. This is brilliant. And then the race starts, and apparently uh, his fingering technique was in doubt. The TV replays showed him sort of looking down into his cockpit during the start and sort of fumbling around with the clutches and going absolutely nowhere. Keys? It was classic, because when he got out of the car, they said to him, what happened? He was like, there's something wrong with this clutch. <laughs> and then they showed the TV replay and went, no, you pressed the wrong button, didn't you? <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> to be fair, he didn't do badly, though. No, once, once. I mean, considering he went all the way to the back, he then charged through to, what did he finish, fifth, was it? Yeah, but what a good race that would have been. It just ruined a great race. That's classic Kimmy. It's what yeah. we like. He's a roller coaster. Oh, not, in, been, not in interviews, obviously, but in the race. If he was up there chasing down old, uh, what's his face, Hamilton, would have been great. What about Vettel, though? He said it was his best second place of all time. Oh, it was pretty good, I think. He, he drove well. I mean, Rosberg crashing out probably helped him a bit and, you know, not being able to get near to him because of the brakes and then the engine blowing up. Um, but, yeah, he, he did very well. Him and him on Hamilton soared off at the beginning and uh, he's now the highest point scorer in F1 history. What about Williams, though? Because it was really nice to see Massa back on the podium again. Uh, was it? Does anybody not like Massa? I don't Terry, like Terry, you probably don't like yeah. it. I don't yeah, like yeah, Massa. Yeah. I just Why think, didn't you like Massa? He should have given up. <laughs> there are so many old drivers in Formula 1. He did say on the radio message on the last lap, I'm too old for this. Exactly, even he admits it. Massa is younger than at least two of us on this particular podcast, and I'm still pretty hopeful that one day my chance at F1 will come. So well, if it's he's not too come, old, then it's People like Massa are clogging up all the seats. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, 2008 arguably was a great year for him. He nearly became world champion. He didn't. And then he got a spring in his face. And ever since then, it's been downhill. And he, yeah, OK, well done. He's got Williams. He's doing all right. But he's not doing that well. Well, I mean, he's, uh, this sort of brings us on to Bottas as well. Because Massa seems to... I've got no stats in front of me to prove this. But it seems that he's uh, he's sort of a little bit got the measure of Bottas. Because last year, Bottas came in was really good. And, and we all thought he was going to be... You know, this is the new world beater we've we've discovered. But he's sort of he's not been bad this year, but he's not been spectacular, has it he? It happens time. I thought he was going to get the measure again, of Massa, but someone who's got promise but doesn't get into the top team immediately just fades away, like your beloved Max Verstappen will fade away. Uh, no, I'm and not in a couple of that. years. He'll be Nico Hulkenberg, and you'll be like, oh, why is Max Verstappen only coming for Hey, hey, hey Nickelback uh, Hulkenberg. Has, uh, has re-signed for Force India. So, yeah. you know, he's on the up now. Great. How many people lie in bed as nine-year-olds <laughs> dreaming, one day I want to re-sign for Force India? <laughs> Not one. Okay, what about Red Bull? What this about Red Bull? Absolute, absolute nightmare weekend for Red Bull. Well, I, I've written, I've, in my notes, I've written that they were pretty poor, but then I thought about it a bit. I was like, okay, they started from the back because, I mean, they're basically running hamster wheels for engines at the moment. They got everything moment. wrong. But then they sort of chanced through a bit. Uh, Ricardo came eighth, I think, and overtook Ericsson on the last corner of the last lap and actually drove pretty well. Do you know, they changed an engine in one hour, 40 minutes, which is a record. That is a record. There it's quicker go. than they've managed to change my engine. It's quicker than McLaren did a lap at Monza. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best thing about Red Bull all weekend was, did you anyone see the, the practice on Friday with their... What's that? 
Right, what's that paint called where they do the aerodynamic testing? Flovis. Flovis paint. I don't understand what it is, really. It, it's it basically, it's it's paint that you splatter all over the front, and then it makes little trails according to where the air is going, so they can look and see how the airflow is working in reality compared to on the half-scale model in the uh, in the tunnel. Okay, so they had that stuff, they put it over the front wing, and where they've got a little duct inside at the end of the front wing to kind of cool their legs... The Flovis plate went up there and came out splattering Ricardo's <laughs> helmet. And, and he just came back into the pit with just paint all over it. Like it, it was slimed. Like, it was like it was like PJ Duncan in Biker Groove. <laughs> so on that note, let's move on to Lotus. Um, what a great race it was for them. <laughs> After the glory of the last race, Grosjean on the podium, they had all these woes, and but finally Grosjean was coming through, both cars out on lap one. It was a Sauber's fault. The bailiffs took away their chances. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't remember if it was Nasser or Ericsson, but one of one of the Saubers did a wildly optimistic move in the first corner, went down the inside on the worst possible racing line, tapped Grosjean, broke his car. Grosjean went into a McLaren, and McLaren went into Maldonado and broke his car, and that was that. And, and Maldonado broke his car again. No, what, in fairness to him, having watched uh, it back several times, for once it wasn't Maldonado's fault. But, of course, being Maldonado, the result was the same. It was his fault. All right, yeah, in terms of if he fault. wasn't in Formula 1, that wouldn't have happened. Well, I've mean, got a theory, though, on Maldonado and why he drives like he does. Why? Right, so now earlier on we were talking about Pat Simmons and Crashgate in the Renault years. Now that Renault is Lotus, I reckon that when Maldonado signed up and they gave him an email account, he keeps getting old emails through from Pat saying, make sure you crash. <laughs> it will really help out Alonso. He's just wondering why they keep calling yeah. him Nelson. And he's like, I crash every race, but <laughs> Alonso's just... Not very nice to me. He's, he just ignores right me. in the back. It's not <laughs> yeah. working at all. And whenever I see Alonso, he just ignores me. Oh. Well, we do wonder if, uh, if, if Maldonado might be around if this uh, proposed Renault takeover happens. Well, will it happen? Well, I don't know. Literally, as we were about to record, there was a, there was a court case going on. So by the time you hear this, something might have happened. But uh, there was a sort of, are they going into administration? Are they not? Should we, should we record two different versions, depending on what? Oh, Lotus have gone. Oh, oh, they've been liquefied. Uh, I'd be surprised if they actually disappear because they're going to be worth a lot more as a still-functioning race team than they are with a not-functioning race I team. I think they're going to be liquidated and then Renault are going to buy a broken-down, liquidated team on for a song. Possibly by the time you hear this, something will have happened. But uh, either, yay, Lotus are saved or, oh, Lotus have gone. Uh. Well, OK, so I guess I have to wait and see on that one. What about Toro Rosso? Your favourite, Terry, Verstappen. So to be fair, he did a really good job. He was 20th in qualifying, and then and he failed to set a qualifying time, and then he had a drive-through penalty for an engine, engine cover failure and still came 12th. Can I just say, though, that engine cover failure was fantastic. Didn't the car look amazing with its cover it? off? It would have already been better if instead of Max Verstappen in the uh, cockpit, it was just like R2-D2 with sparks flying out. Going well, maybe he was there. Like, that happened, and R2 was just going... Maybe. Maybe, maybe. I thought it looked like its Snickers had flown off and it was like, ooh! I mean, everybody's talking about the rules for 2017 <laughs> about how they... <laughs> I just realised what you said. Everyone's talking about how the cars need to look better in 2017. They're going to look more aggressive and all this kind of thing. Strip the bodywork off. They look probably amazing. It would also mean less aerodynamic reliance. The only thing is we need to sort of find some sort of workaround for the sponsors because that's sort of prime real estate for... And sponsors. it would be really hot when, when a car wins a race and they touch the car in that way of going, thank you, that their, their, their skin would just be melded to the body. So that's probably a problem. I, I genuinely think you don't get to see the cars like that, especially when they're moving. And I thought it looked absolutely awesome. Yeah, and it reminds agreed. you just how blimming complicated they are. Yeah. Why have all that complicated stuff and then just wrap it? It's like that's like when you get a really nice sandwich and they put it in a brown paper bag. 
What, what, why, why, why do you put your sandwiches in a brown paper bag? No, I don't, but when you buy one, oh, and they put it in a brown paper bag. In that case, yes, that's definitely the right analogy. Uh, we didn't talk about Verstappen's performance. Uh, I, I know you, you don't like him, Terry, because you don't like anybody. It's not I don't like him. I it's just, just that you hate him. I just, I can't like him. <laughs> Who do you like? Did you not see the... Argument. <laughs> Those days are gone, and he's not coming back. He oh. might come back once, but he's not doing it again. Formula One legends. Let's talk. I, I want to remind everybody of that awesome overtake that Verstappen did around uh, NASA, and the outside of Turn One into the chicane. It was brilliant. Yeah, he's good. And oh, well, that's actually better better good, praise but, than you've you know, given him. A lot of people are good. Okay, Force India then. Oh. Sixth and seventh finish, not bad. It was all right. I sort of thought they might be a bit better because they had a Mercedes engine. Well, actually, normally they do really well at Monza because they kind of make their car really low aerodynamic anyway. So normally they do it. So actually take all seven. the wings off. is a bit disappointing. It was all right. I mean, Perez beat Hulkenberg again. And for all my saying that Hulkenberg is actually pretty good, Perez seems to have the edge over him at the moment. McLaren started <laughs> higher on the grid than they actually qualified, even with penalties applied. That all got a bit confusing for me. The whole penalty thing is ridiculous. Yeah, they I don't had, think they we had even some penalties, but other people had much more penalties. <laughs> so they ended up doing quite well out of okay. it. Okay. It's going to get to the point where no, no longer is F1 about how fast you can drive, it's how few penalties you can get for infringing technical regulations. But this is the other thing. So I think it was Red Bull or maybe McLaren this race. Because after having like 15, like if McLaren have a 10 place penalty, it doesn't matter. They're near the back anyway. <laughs> So they, they did this thing of like bringing in four engines instead of two because then they just get more penalty. And I think Red Bull did the same. I think on Saturday they went, well, let's get another couple of engines out of the box because we're only going to be at the back of the grid anyway. So it's making a mockery. But regardless, they were still far lower than a McLaren team should be. Still awful. Apparently running a three-second deficit per lap on the straights because they've got no power from the Honda engine. They are and, cracking. Well, I mean, we've, we've, been, we've said before, Red Bull and Renault's none-too-friendly spat is not an example of how to, wait, how to do it. And McLaren have actually been pretty good about putting on a united front. But that, <laughs> not anymore. That seems, to be, uh, that seems to be cracking somewhat. Uh, I didn't actually see the press conference that happened before the race, but from what I hear, the Honda boss, Mr. Arai, was basically just picked on by every single journalist and apparently Eric Boulier did not at all back him up. I think we have to understand Japanese culture a bit here as well because there's a there's a whole especially business culture you can't show weakness it's a kind of you have to all be strong together and you just work out your problems. Somebody should have told them that before they put that engine out but yes. Well maybe yeah but I mean that's why I'm with Toyota and Formula One and Honda last time is that they're not actually very good at admitting there's any weakness so they just kind of carry on going everything's fine we'll be all right. And they, like Honda are still saying, no, our engine is about as good as Renault. It's like, so they had even this- if it was, that's not really much <laughs> yeah. to go home about, is it? Yeah. I mean, it's about as good as a dead dog. <laughs> so there was this press conference where the, the bit in question, there was this kind of really frosty thing where they asked the, the Honda guy, how good is your engine? And he's like, we're going to do quite well. And then they went to everybody and said, what do you think? And everybody just kind of went, well, as we're all one team, I have to, I have to say I agree. Uh-oh. Did he follow that up with a kind of look? Yeah, kind of like a French, kind of a Gallic kind of <laughs> boff. So essentially, what we're saying then is they're still absolutely terrible. Alonso retired with some sort of problem. Button. He showed signs of cracking, didn't he? Button. Yeah. No. Well, he, he, a couple of races now, he's been he's been really kind of working so hard to toe the company line. Bless him. Uh, but you know he can do triathlons and he can marry supermodels but I don't think he can keep that up I heard rumours of TV career well that's yep. been around for a while I think we mentioned that at the end of the last podcast did we not uh, that, he, that he's been sort of touted for a, 
for the Top Gear job, but so have about a billion other people, so we'll wait and see. But there were some interviews with him after the race about his thoughts on a possible new contract. Uh, and, you know, would you want to stay with Alonso for next year? And, oh, my, was he cagey. He would not commit himself to anything. But he did this great thing where he was just like, he, he kind of, they were asking questions and he said, well, the thing is, I can't say too much because everyone at the factory, everyone on the team, they watched these interviews. And he did this little kind of look to the camera as if going, help me. <laughs> and the get last me. thing I want to say is that, I, God, I want to get out of here as soon as it's possible. <laughs> Suddenly a Kill career in now. the World Endurance Championship seems like a brilliant idea. Right, let's move on to Sauber. Okay, so uh, Ericsson suddenly looks pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, you remember when he was at Caterham and everyone's like, nope. Bah. Well, exactly. <laughs> everyone's just like, eh. But um, I think he's been driving quite well. He, he's been outperforming NASA. You know, NASA's not too bad. NASA did pretty well in, um, in GP2. Uh, Ericsson got points, finished ninth. NASA was way down in 13th. I was quite impressed with him. Marisha? Oh. Well, okay, they did set the slowest qualifying times, but because everyone else was messing up, they ended up starting in 13th and 14th which was the best ever starting place in the last five years. It's true. And in a bit of news, they are a hot tip to get Mercedes engines next year. So which would probably help them quite a bit. That will put them in the midfield. McLaren will be the last team next year, I think. Um, there, there was a bit of, uh, of no, I mean, normally you only see, ever see them when they're being blue flagged and, and getting out of the way. But uh, we did we did almost see uh, Roberto May take out Kimi Raikkonen as they came oh, into the, the pits. pits. Oh, that was great. That was extremely <laughs> yeah, close. Yeah. That was good. But it didn't happen. And now we can go back to ignoring them again. So so finishing on that, what does this mean? Does this does this mean things are secure for Hamilton? I, I, I think it does. Uh, I mean, I can't remember off the top of my head how many points uh, Rosberg is now, but having failed to finish, he's dropped another 25. Uh, he's a good couple of wins behind now. All it would take is for Hamilton not to finish. If he doesn't finish two races, they're pretty much back on level pegging. So I, I'm sure I read somewhere, in fact, I might even have been, I might be stealing your line here, Terry, because I'm sure you might have told me this, is that Hamilton could finish second to Rosberg for every single race for the rest of the season and he'd still win yeah is that right I think that's right I mean maybe these new engines maybe their dick slapping engines are too <laughs> are too dick slappy dare I say and in retrospect that wasn't the best brand name for them was it <laughs> dick slappy I mean uh, you know AMG hybrid or whatever it is now was, was, was okay I don't know why they suddenly went to dick slappy I think dick slappy I think is a put that I in think the back dick of slappy a... was one of the original drivers from the 20s wasn't he <laughs> Let's look at some other news stories. Sticking with Monza, though, could we lose Monza from the F1 calendar? I would be very surprised if we do. So the worry is that we could, after many, 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 many years, lose Monza from the F1 calendar because, well, I don't know. See if you can guess what the sticking point is when it comes to uh, the circuit and Formula One management. Oh, oh, oh! Is it? Is it the food? It's. It's not food. Is it the geography? You're so close. Souvenirs? You're clearly not going to get it. It's money. Of course it's Ah. money. Basically, Monza doesn't pay as much as some of the other circuits. I believe they currently pay about 15 million, I want to say euros, but it could also be dollars and pounds, I forget, and I haven't got it written down in front of me, but 15 million money. That uh, is a true journalist. To to basically Bernie to host the F1 every year. Trouble is, other circuits pay about 25. And Bernie says, I want that kind of money. But a lot of the other circuits... Uh, have the support of the government, which uh, uh, Italy and Monza currently does not. So they're saying, we don't want to pay this kind of money. And so Bernie's saying, well, then you ain't going to have a race. To be fair, though, Italy doesn't really have a government 
as such. So as such as it, it is, just has yeah. a series of saunas and brothels. The guy, the guys that have taken a break from their uh, debauchery long enough to sort of look at this issue, have gone. Oh no, this is not good. Uh, it was a great Spanish uh, accent. It was great. <laughs> What's the reaction mean other than Bernie Eccleston? Uh, nobody's got a problem with it. Ha! No, that's not true. Everybody thinks it's an awful idea because Monza is one of the, uh, I believe, three races in the F1 calendar that can go all the way back to the beginning of F1. And they've been racing there since way before that. I think 1922 was the, the first time they started racing The only year it's not there. been in Formula 1 was 1980. Fact, fact. Good fact. Thank you. Thank you. It would, of course, be an absolute tragedy. I, don't, I haven't heard of a single person that said... You know, oh, it'd be a shame, but if that's the way it's going to go, then that's hey. the way it's going to go. Everyone, apart from, apparently, Terry. How do you feel about it, Terry? Do you know what? Here's what's going to happen. We're not going to lose the race. End of. Bernie is hardballing, saying, let's have some money. Monza's going, I don't want to pay the money. No one else is going to step in because they'll have to pay more money. Then Bernie will go, oh, Monza are out. And then Ferrari will step in and pay a cheap price to help it. And there'll be a whole lot of backhands and shaking deals and all this kind of stuff. And all I say is, fuck it. It's a pretty boring circuit. There's only a couple of corners. Let's just race around a car park. This is absolutely outrageous behaviour. It's the scene of Formula One's fastest ever lap set by everybody's favourite driver, Juan Pablo Montoya. <laughs> the the feisty little man himself, uh, who, who, who set his fastest. It's, a, it's the highest speed circuit on the track. And if F1 isn't about speed, then what is it about? Well, it's not about speed, is it? It's about, it's about money, obviously. And money. And, uh, yeah, it's about money. Engine. Uh, but mostly money. And, and George Lucas. And hair dye. And hair dye. It's moving us on to the next story. Oh, good. Hamilton has dyed his hair blonde. Well, thank may God I, um, we've finally got onto this circuit because that's the story that we all really want to talk about. It's the colour of the World Championship leader's hair. I'm going to read out what he said as his press statement about his hair. I don't think it's his press statement. Um, and it was, uh, it was nauseating, really. Here we go. I had it dyed blonde a few days ago in Los Angeles. It was just something I fancied doing on the spur of the moment. I'm in a very experimental period of my life. I like taking risks. I like trying new things, whether it be style or restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> he's, or a, he's a crazy man. <laughs> I was at the hairdresser and I just thought, I'm going to try it. Let's do it. Zero Benny, cares. Then he had sushi. There, that's where it's from. Zero cares. Zero cares. She cares. He's crazy. He's living. He's living life on the edge. He's going. He's going to different restaurants. Do you he's know what? changed his hair colour. I, I, I was very, doing this when I was 15. I feel very similar. I'm in a very experimental stage of my life right now. And last week I was going to go to Wagamama's and I went to Yo Sushi instead. And I tell you what. Blew my fucking mind, man. You're a loose cannon, Terry. Oh, fuck But zero cares, right? You play, zero cares. Zero you play cares. by your own rules. I play by Lewis Hamilton's rules. Have you considered and uh, the FAA's ratified driver. rules? Which means I don't do any drugs or drink or uh, anything that's bad by the FIA or my sponsors, because I've got to curtail to my sponsors. So in a way, Lewis Hamilton, with your experimental stuff, you're not being that experimental because Patronus would probably be a little bit shitty if you i don't know murdered a prostitute uh, how how seriously are you taking these rules breaking are you breaking the slightly vague rules about tire inflation if, if i was in a formula one race my tires would just be full of duty-free cigarettes <laughs> so phil what else have we got to talk about well this isn't necessarily new but since we recorded the last podcast justin wilson who was very sadly injured in uh, in the indycar race has, has even more sadly passed away and it's uh, it's served to to really send the the closed cockpit debate really going off Quite surprisingly, actually, I thought a vast majority of the drivers have said that they're not against it. That they, you know, they wouldn't mind it. Maybe it is about the time that, that we consider that. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the vast well. majority of drivers 
with with their brains not wanting to be mashed into their helmets. Not all of them. I mean, Nico Hulkenberg was one who said, you know, this is this is Formula One. It's open, you know, it's open cockpit. Uh, we've we all know the risks when we get in. And I I have to say, I thought that much more of them would be would be along those lines. But uh, it does seem that, that that Nico is is well in the minority, and that a lot of people we would want to. should probably put a graph between the ones that want closed cockpits and the ones that have kids. There may well be a trajectory there, but I mean, Nico Hockenberg, also one of the tallest drivers on the thing, you'd think his head would be poking out more than anybody That's else's. That's what his problem is, isn't it? He's going, oh, he's bumping against it every... In Monaco, he'd just be there going, I've got a headache, guys. So he doesn't want <laughs> to simply for space reasons. He'd have to have a little kind of extra bit <laughs> for his head. We touched on it in the last episode. I, I actually, the more I think about it, and the more I look at some of the, uh, the concept art that's flying around uh some of the some of the ideas look very cool and you know we all want cars to look cooler there's new rules coming in 2017 that is basically wants to make cars cooler and faster they'd be much more slippery as we as we said last episode well i wait with considerable intrigue to see what actually happens because it does look like the powers that be are sort of really looking into this with considerable vigor could it be for next season it won't be that fast no because most of the cars for next season will be largely certainly designed and probably halfway built by now maybe 2017 maybe 2018 who knows we shall wait to see what incredible action the notoriously productive FIA decide to do when they can be bothered to get out of bed um, so Terry one last story from you it seems that Red Bull have officially told Renault to fuck off and they've gone to Mercedes and said hey Mercedes how are you doing we're finally split up with our ex-boyfriend let's do it and Mercedes have gone Fuck off. <laughs> Which means that Red Bull now have to go with either Ferrari or Honda. <laughs> oh, can you imagine seeing a Red Bull Honda? That would be amazing. Oh my God, it'd be the slowest so it car ever. It seems that Red Bull are going to be with Ferrari next year. Which... Almost. I mean, they don't really have any other options, yeah. do they? Why did Mercedes not want... Why, well, why would they want them? They, they sell engines to loads of other teams. They're making loads of money. They're winning about, the championship. I talk about Lewis Howard being uh, honest and experimental. They asked him, what would you feel about Mercedes going to Red Bull? And he just kind of went, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't win. <laughs> no, I mean, wh- why would Mercedes give, let's face it, what probably would be their biggest rivals, uh, the best engine on the grid? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it would be, you know, it would, it would probably make for more interesting racing, but it would be... There's no business case for it whatsoever. You know, I can entirely understand them going, um, no, we're going to keep our really fast engine. Thanks very much, aerodynamically superior car. So Toro Rosso are also going to go Ferrari like they used to be, I believe. Yeah, not that long ago. But aside from Vettel in a Toro Rosso, a Ferrari customer engine has never won a race. Ever. Is that true? That is true. I'm pretty sure. I'm racking my brain up. to try and prove you wrong, but I can't no, think I'm of anyone. I'm pretty sure when Toro Rosso, that was the only Ferrari customer car ever to win a race. If if you believe otherwise, send us abuse at uh, for Formula One sake on Twitter. A market for the attention of Terry Saunders. Hi. Speaking of abuse, Terry, let's have your outlook on the state of Formula One. Well, do you know what I'm tired of? Tired, tired Do you know of? what really rubbers me up the wrong way? Oh, God. Do you know what I can't get a grip on? <laughs> Do you know what makes me tread carefully? Is and it tyres, Terry? Oh, yeah, yes, tyres. Aerodynamic. Oh, right. I can but believe you guessed that. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, we got rid years ago. I, I say we, I mean Formula One, not this podcast. Years ago, got rid of the tyre, the, the idea of a tyre war. It used to be Michelin and Bridgestone 
and there'd just be lots of argy-bargy between the two. One tyre would be better than the other, they'd win all the races, blah, 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 blah. So they both left Formula 1, Michelin went to do restaurants, they're doing very well, and Bridgestone fucked off eventually, and now we have Pirelli. So Pirelli have come into Formula 1 on the sole proviso that there won't be a tyre war, and somehow, with one supplier, there's still a tyre war. Well, it's, it's, it's Pirelli versus everybody else, yeah. versus all the drivers and all the teams. It is like Pirelli is Formula 1's little brother, and Formula 1 is holding Pirelli's arms and punching him, going, what are you punching yourself for? What are you punching And I want to talk about tyres because the thing that always bugs me with Formula 1 is that no matter what you do with the rest of your car, no matter what aerodynamics, what engine, the only part of the car that touches the road is the tyre man unless you're Pastor Maldonado unless you're Pastor Maldonado <laughs> then all your cars frequently are. the roll hoop yeah so tyres are very important and Pirelli came in and they were, they were given that Canadian Grand Prix a few years before and said that race is really exciting because the tyres were fucked can you make your tyres like that and Pirelli to their credit have gone alright we'll make tyres that can't last a full race they've done exactly what they were asked to they've do they've done exactly what they were asked to do and now everyone's moaning because the drivers are going Oh, um, actually, we can't push our cars hard enough because of the tyres, and we've got to just like drive really slowly, and I hate it. What, like, whatever. Didn't they say they said their tyres can last 40 laps, though? Yeah, exactly. So they, they put these very strict guidelines on the, the thing, and they say you can do this, you can do that, but the tyres are built to not last a whole race. Okay. That is how they build it, which is... In PR terms, danger ground for Pirelli. It's immediate comedy material for yeah. anybody that buys Pirelli tyres. Here you go. Because I want this to last on my car for like, maybe go to Tesco's and back. <laughs> and I get some new tyres. And maybe. I want them to fall off the cliff. Which, if you live coastally, oh, terrible. My issue is Formula One teams. Because all they, of them. All of them. No, actually, honestly, all of them. Because they don't do things for the show of Formula One. They do things for the fastest possible lap time, which you go, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. But that means if a race strategy is boring to us, because it's all done in pit stops and they all do one stop or two stops, whatever, that's not Pirelli's fault. That is the team's fault for going, we just want to get the quickest time. There's no entertainment aspect. But don't worry, I have a solution. Every team has to have a Pirelli engineer, as we discussed earlier, who helps fill the tyres and this kind of stuff. I think each team should have an ENTS officer, like a student union. And that person should be able to say, halfway through the race, guys, it's all a bit boring. People, are, people on Twitter are getting bored, so can maybe we do something? Can one of you fuck up? Can we send Bottas out on the wrong tyres? Something? Can we, can we have discount alcohol? Yeah, discount alcohol. You know, multi-tyre. We'll, we'll, just, like, we'll just throw a tyre into the track. Or 90s evening. Yeah. <laughs> A, f- a foam party in Formula One. <laughs> a minor indie band doing an acoustic set. Bewitched. So, all these things. So, I think that's what Formula One needs this week. Bewitched. It's bewitched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> bewitched. <laughs> so, bearing all that in mind, Terry, what would you say the state of Formula One is <laughs> on the Saunders scale? Well, this week, as we're outside near the River Thames, I think the scale should be water pollution based so a perfect cup of uh, formula one would be through a britta filter and a terrible cup of formula one would be a dead seal covered in oil or maybe a a tiny sparrow who can't quite open his beak uh and where are we on the scale well we are in formula one terms a turtle with a carrier bag around its neck 
So in two weeks, it is, of course, Singapore. And let's talk about our predictions. I think it's going to be in the dark. I predict it'll be around the streets of Singapore. So um, I've, <laughs> I've got the first, the top five from results from Singapore last year, and I've got them hidden from you. Can you remember? Who won last I mean, year? Chica, I've, I'm, I'm slightly offended. You're assuming... You're just assuming that we haven't done our research and read up on last year's race. And am I right? You're absolutely right. right. I can't remember. Are we supposed to read? Who do you reckon won Singapore last year? What happened last year? So hang on, we were at the stage of the year where Hamilton was in the lead of the championship. No, he wasn't. He was behind I Rosberg, no, no, I think. Uh, was this about the stage where he started crushing Rosberg? I'm going to say Hamilton because I can't really remember a time when anybody else looked like they Hang were Hang on, win. was this one of Ricciardo's secret wins? I think we've had those by now, haven't oh. we? We'd had a couple of them, but I think I think he'd faded back to obscurity again with a smile on his face and a leap in his heart. Okay, all right, I'm going to tell you. Oh, I can oh. see it, now. it was Hamilton. Hey. Oh. Well done. Second was Vettel, third oh. was Ricciardo, oh. fourth Alonso and fifth oh. Massa. Oh, fourth was Alonso. Fourth Alonso. Those Holy are the days. God. Yeah. Uh, so what do you reckon, based on that <laughs> and your knowledge of the state of Formula One, what do you reckon it's going to be this time? Well, I think we might have a little bit of a mix-up because this is, n- un- unlike Monza, which is all about engine power, this is not so much about engine power. So I think the Red Bulls could be quite good here because uh, Me too. There, there, there's, a, there's a fairly valid argument that it's just the engines that are fairly terrible and that maybe the rest of the cars are actually really good. So I still think the Mercedes is going to be way out in front. So I still think Hamilton's going to win and I still think Rosberg's going to be second if he can get a new engine. Um, but I think we're going to see a bit of a challenge from... Ooh, now, who's going to be dominant in Red Bull? Kvyat's been looking pretty good lately. I think we might have a bit of a bit of a badger in from Kvyat. And the honey badger himself, Ricardo, is also going to be... Uh, he's quite close to Australia down there. So, yeah, he'll he'll... He'll be good as well. And they'll be battling well with the Ferraris. I think Raikkonen. Oh, this is for qualifying or for the race? For the race, because he was so good this time. So you think he's going to be terrible in qualifying, but good in the race? Yes. Because he can't be good at both. Oh, I it's see. It's the okay, rule, I see. The okay, rule of Kimi. Yeah, I reckon this time he's going to really pull off that race. He's, he's made his mistakes this time. Last time. Every, every, every time. <laughs> every race this year. I think it will be... Get ready. Here comes some controversy. The Mercedes guys are going to take each other out and Ricardo is going to be third and he's going to come first near the end of the race because the Mercedes are going to crash. Yeah. And both McLarens in the points. Psych. That is contra. Well, that w- I mean, if, if McLaren go well at Singapore, that would, I mean, just further back up the notion that the only reason they're slow is that Honda are terrible. Because like if on a tight, on a tight, yeah, that's fair enough. We, it's been a while since we've had a, a teammate on teammate serious collision of note isn't it when was the last time that happened the only one I can think of is Spa last year no Spa last year when Rosberg oh, yeah. slashed and I'm yeah. sure there's probably been some minor ones among people we don't care about but uh, it does seem we're about due for a I care about everybody Pastor Maldonado <laughs> alright well on that note thank you for listening make sure you tell us how wrong we are by tweeting us at for F1's sake until then goodbye to Phil Tromans goodbye I'd just like to say that we haven't had time to mention the very sad passing of Guy Ligier a former team owner driver in the 60s and also quite incredibly uh, a French international rugby player uh, who will be very sadly missed and Terry Saunders and we haven't had time to talk about George Lucas and why would we want to talk about him let's not give the guy any publicity ignore him he did do Star Wars Shh. the first three Shh. I'm Chica Rez. goodbye Sports Social Podcast Network